0: You made me real. Welcome back to the BC Buckets Podcast, the official podcast for Briarcliff University Basketball and still the reigning best basketball podcast in the NAIA. My name is Matt Gall, the host of this podcast, and I'm joined here by Coach Marks Figuera, as I always am here in the coaches' offices at the Newman Flanagan Center. Coach, what's new?
1: Not a whole lot, Matt. We just finished fall break here at Briarcliff, actually. And, and so our guys had the last couple of days off, uh, had Thursday, Friday off school. We practiced Thursday morning, thought this would be a good time to give the guys a, a few days off. So they had all of, most of Thursday, all of Friday, all of yesterday off. And we're going to practice here in just a little bit. And so I think it's been good after 15 practices we've had, give the guys a chance to relax, refresh, had a little sickness going around. Uh, Hopefully we cleaned that up and and got rid of that, and we're done with it for the year. But uh, not a whole lot since last time we talked, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, that sickness is is going around. I understand that during the editing process for the last episode, uh, the uh, crack team of editors for this podcast had to edit out some coughs of mine. So thankfully, the people didn't have to hear all those.
1: Yeah, I I think those guys did a good job of getting most of them. Unfortunately, you had one cough right when I was saying something. And so it was either cut out the segment or just leave one cough in. And I think they left the cough in, actually.
0: Well, we are also joined today by our first guest of the year of the second season of BC Buckets. Uh, And we're joined by sophomore basketball player Jake Carley, a sophomore from Trainer, Iowa, And uh, Jake, it's great to have you on. We will certainly talk to you a little bit more uh, as we get going here in the podcast. But have you been able to stay healthy so far this winter? How's everything going with with preseason and now official practice workouts and those sorts of things?
2: Um, It's going good. I'm not mentally weak like the other people have been getting sick (laughs) lately, uh, like Andy Geelan. But uh, it's been going good. team's been looking good. It's been a lot of fun so far.
0: So mentally weak like Andy Gieland. So you're saying that his sickness is all just in his head?
2: Uh, yeah. Like most uh, things he does, it's mainly because mental weakness, but hopefully he can finally get over it.
0: All right. Well, shots fired. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, uh, like I said, with you here in a little bit, Jake. So do you want to go into a little bit more detail about how practice is going as you know, we approach, what, two weeks from the first game?
1: Yeah, when, when this podcast is released this week, we'll be exactly two weeks away from our first game, which is October 29th. And that's coming really fast. As a, as a player, I'm sure Jake sitting across the table from me is really excited about that because this time of year, it's easy to get sick of practice and the day-to-day grind of that. As a coach, I'm sitting here thinking, holy cow, we still have to do this and this and this. We don't have this put in yet. We haven't even talked about this yet. And uh, so it's a little nerve-wracking, but it's also – You know i i like where we're at you know since last time we talked i said there hadn't been a lot going on that's actually not true we had a scrimmage uh just a week ago um, against a a local junior college and that's something after two weeks of practice we needed gave us a chance to see somebody different than ourselves guys get sick of beating up on each other every day Um, and so to play against somebody who wasn't wearing blue and gold is just really really good for us and when you play against yourself every day which is all we do in practice You get pretty good at at defending your own offense. You get pretty good at um, scoring on your own defense. And then when that's different, you know, and and the team we scrimmaged came in and and ran different things offensively, played a different style defensively, you have to adjust on the fly. And that's really good for our guys to be
0: able to see that. Okay, so like I said, you know, we're a couple weeks out from games getting going. And so, you know, you guys have – obviously been on the radar for a while as, as one of the more successful programs in the NAIA uh, there was a blog uh, a blogger who put out uh, his own I guess preseason NAIA Uh, division two top 25. So let's talk a a little bit about that because uh, you guys are in there at number 11, I believe in this particular individual's uh, rankings. You know, he mentions obviously with uh, Ethan Friedel and Jackson Lamb, two of the more productive scores coming back. And then uh, you know, Jaden klein Hesslink and Austin Roatman, you know, looking to, to play bigger roles as we go into this season. Those are his general comments. You know, how, how do you feel about, and again, this is, you know, I think this is obviously very unofficial in, in somebody, but, you know, you guys have been, like I said, on the radar, you've caught attention, and uh, obviously there's still expectations for this year. So how do you manage that, you know, before you get rolling?
1: Well, first and foremost, you know, all the preseason polls and rankings and anything that comes out, a lot of it
0: really is a guess off
1: what you've done in the past and what you've done recently. And we we've had a lot of success recently over the last five, six years. And and that's great. It's great to be mentioned. Um, you know, and I think if you get caught up in that and you're worried about that, you're setting yourself up to, to, for a little bit of a disaster, you're not focused on the right things. We've talked a lot already through three weeks with our guys, you know, our ultimate goal is to continue to get better throughout the year. And I'm not, I don't want to be the team that on October 29th, the first game, were just absolutely unbelievable awesome. Certainly, we want to win. We're going to play to win and all those things. But I think the good teams, the teams that on the national level advance late in the season are the teams that continue to get better. And so that's been our, our main focus so far. Uh, you know, and with this, I think it was NEI Hoops report it was the was the Twitter handle that put that out. I think one of the great things about social media, and there's certainly goods and goods and bads, mm-hmm. um, but I think one of the great things is the the coverage that small college athletics has received over the past five, six, seven years, where it wasn't before. Mm-hmm. And so a Twitter handle like this that's completely devoted to NAI basketball I think is an awesome thing. He's put out conference previews. He's put out player profiles. And it's just kind of cool to see that. And, you know, we're not going to we're not going to make it on ESPN like the Dukes and Kentuckys are. But I think to see that and people devoting time to that is pretty cool. And there's a lot of people out there doing some great things. There's small college basketball. We've talked about that on the podcast. You know, as Jay Wolf was one of their finalists last year for the national award. And I, I think it's really cool to see that. So to see something like that, obviously, it's great to be mentioned. Mentioned. it's great publicity for the NAI it's not something we're gonna get really caught up in right now
0: yeah well and maybe honestly from from the biggest takeaway from that might be looking at uh, kind of a bigger picture and that I think there are four GPAC schools listed and so you know I think that's that's probably not a, a huge surprise because you know this is a tough league and and you know that uh, every year there's gonna be you know several programs in our conference who are nationally regarded, uh, and who are going to probably you know make some sort of impact at the national level. Uh, but Morningside uh, was up there in that list. Jamestown was mentioned, obviously Briarcliff, and then Dakota Wesleyan as well. So again, you know, it goes without saying every year is a tough year in this conference. Um, but you know now now that we're kind of getting to where the rubber meets the road, and, and we're, again, just 14, 15 days away from from playing on the court. You know, that stuff's going to start to to matter here soon. And, and, you know, you'll have an opportunity to prove it, you know, once you get on the floor.
1: Yep, that's exactly right. And, and that's – I'm just going to go back to and reiterate our goal right now, and when we talk about this three months from now, it's going to be to continue to get better. Yep. And, and that's going to be our focus. That needs to be our focus. And on top of that, our guys have done a really good job of buying into that it's it's one thing to talk about it it's another thing to do it in my opinion and our guys you know this afternoon is going to be our 16th practice of the year and through our first 15 i would say 14 of those were really really good practices and i would say one was average to maybe slightly below
0: and i think that's how you continue to get better is when you have good practices so staying on the kind of the social media topic here uh there was a blog that came out uh, i think early in the fall or, or sometimes right towards the beginning of the school year uh it's a it's an online blog called stats by will uh, and this individual you know it looks like he's he's very uh, well in tune with uh, statistics from all levels of collegiate basketball but he put out uh, basically a kind of a running series on the top 25 programs again of all levels Based on offensive efficiency, and uh, had a nice write-up about Briar Cliff because Briar Cliff is one of those schools, and uh, I believe, Coach, you mentioned Briar Cliff's one of four teams that has been in the top 25 again of all levels of college basketball for the last four years. Can you talk about what you know what uh, has led to that success of just you know a very highly efficient, productive offense?
1: yeah a couple things to to say here first matt will warren is the guy who puts out the it's his own website statsbywill.com and i didn't know who he was he contacted me this summer and and kind of approached the email as hey coach you're one of four offenses in the country the last four years to finish top 25 offensive efficiency wise i'd love to talk to you for this series i'm doing and so i i hadn't even seen it out on social media so i looked into it and, and you could tell by some of the earlier articles he wrote that he'd really done his homework. He knew what he was talking about. And, and he knows his basketball stats, which everybody knows. I'm a stat nerd. And so when we're talking efficiency numbers and points per possession, obviously, that's something I want to talk about. And, and when we actually did the interview, he wrote a nice article about our, our program, specifically our offense. So it was, it was really well done with video clips from games we played a year ago. Um, but what he wanted to talk about was, how, how do you sustain this over a long period of time? And that's something that I think is important is the sustainability you know there's a lot of teams that for a year or two years they can be really good um and we that could be national tournament wins that can be conference championships, whatever it is. I think the sign of a good program is to is to sustain that mm-hmm. and I think we've been fortunate we've been able to do that it It was a great article that he put out and and I think he did a really good job of of highlighting our program
0: so coach what uh Obviously, I'm super knowledgeable about uh, the game of basketball and the technicalities of it. But for our listeners, maybe some of our listeners who who maybe don't know what <laughs> offensive efficiency and points per possession mean, you know, talk about that stat and also what do you do uh, with this program that enables you to to you know be highly successful in that area? Okay, first points per possession. It's a it's a pretty basic, easy stat.
1: You take the points you score in a game, you divide that by the possessions in a game, that equals your points per possession. I'm no math major. I can figure it out. Or I can at least program it into an Excel document. Right. But um, it's, it's, a, it's a benchmark of offensive efficiency. The NBA team started using it years ago. Um, our goal within a game is 1.10 points per possession. When we've gotten that the last five, six years, I think we've lost one time. So it, it is an important indicator of winning and losing. And on the flip side of it, defensive points per possession has been more telling to our program when we've held teams below .90 points per possession. This goes back to the 2007 season when Nick Nelson came to Briarcliff as an assistant. Um, our record when we achieved that goal is like 110-2. and two. Mm-hmm. I mean, It's just unbelievable the, the impact it has on winning. Now it's a really hard goal to attain. And in the last 14 years, offense and basketball has changed a lot to the offensive side. And getting that goal is harder than it's ever been. But it is telling. And so it's a basic stat, but it's it's the most important one for us outside of winning or losing the game. Because you're probably going to be able to tell, or at least I will, just by looking at the points per possession both ways. If we won, lost, won
0: big, lost big, anywhere in between. So obviously a big part of you know being successful in that regard is being able to move the ball around so you can get good, open looks. I mean, it's, it's a pretty basic concept when you think about it. Good <laughs> shots tend to go in better than bad shots. It's so much
1: of what I'm going to say about this seems cliche, simple, overly simple. But for me, the reason we've been able to sustain offensive success is we've had really good players. We've had really good three-point shooters. We've had guys that are willing to move the ball willing to pass up a, an OK shot for a great shot. And on top of it, we've had a few guys who are really good, tough shot makers. And, and sometimes you have to have that. And so there's no one answer to why we've been really efficient other than we've had good players. And, and from a X's and O's schematic standpoint, we try our best to put our guys in positions where they can go make the plays. Now, I've said it 100 times, I can't go out and score baskets for them. I wasn't that good of a player anyway. You know, and so I'm trying to put our guys, and, and as a coaching staff, we're trying to put our guys in positions to be successful and then go make the plays, go make the reads. And, and we've had really good players who are also high IQ players.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that was one part of Will's blog that, you know, I think really struck with him is that you find guys like Ethan Friedel. And, you know, we're going to talk to Jake here in a little bit who went to a 1A school here in Iowa. Um, and you have you're able to go to these, you know, smaller schools and these smaller communities and find, you know, really good basketball players. And uh, again, I think that just goes to show that if you just find guys who know the game, who are smart about the game, even if they don't necessarily have the physical tools, you know, a guy like Ethan Friedel is, is going to be mismatched on a lot of his matchups, but the way he plays, the way he can get open, um, even though sometimes he'll he'll chuck one up maybe when he's not open. Yeah,
1: Ethan's definitely one of those tough shot makers at times. Yeah,
0: and that's good too. But, uh, you know, how? what do you look for when you go out to recruit? And we're going to talk about the freshmen and sophomores on the roster here in a minute. But when you go out and, and recruit, what are the qualities you look for that help guys come in and fit into a system like the one you have with as efficient as you are?
1: Well, some of the things that are really important to us as we evaluate players that we're recruiting are sometimes the hardest things to get a gauge of. You know, it's easy to go to a game and, and watch a player score 25 points and say, hey, this kid can really score, or this kid's a good athlete, or, this kid's a great shooter, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. What it's hard, what's harder to see at times is how tough is he, how hard does he work on a daily basis, how smart of a basketball player is he. I think that's the biggest thing that's translated for a lot of our guys is we have a lot of really high IQ players, like I said a little bit ago, and that makes the reads they have to make in our offense and the plays they need to make a lot easier when you can really see the game and think the game quickly on the fly. And that's hard to see when you're just watching an AAU game or a high school game. So we, we try to really do our homework. We talk to high school coaches, we talk to AAU coaches. You know, Jake, our, our guest today, you know, I was fortunate. His high school coach is a good friend of mine, a high school teammate of mine. And, and so we talked a lot. And, you know, with Jake, it was, hey, this kid's tough. You know, he's not the world's best shooter. He's not the best ball handler. And I'm, I'm not making fun of Jake. Jake's a good player. But he possessed all the intangibles that we were looking for. And that's why, you know, Jake's put himself in the position he has in our program is because of those intangible things. And, and those are things that I can't teach, I can't coach. I can try to coach a guy to be a better shooter. I can teach a guy our offense how to make the reads, how to make the cuts. I really can't teach players how to play hard, how to be a great teammate. And and so when you have guys that intrinsically do that on their own, makes coaching a lot easier. And those are the things we really look for. Now, Matt, I would love to have a lineup that was 6'10 and 6'8 and 6'7. But the reality is that that's not our level of basketball. Mm-hmm. And you talk about offensive efficiency and there was four schools mentioned in in this article and none of them were d1 schools it was us and it was three division two schools and three powerhouse programs in division two basketball and i think and i'm going to speak for our conference as a whole i'm putting our conference against any conference in america in a three-point contest Mm -hmm. i'm not putting us against any other conference in an athletic contest a size contest but what we have in our league is a lot of really high IQ players that can shoot the rock, that know how to play, and that's translated on the national stage for us. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at last year, all four teams at the national tournament advanced with two going to the Elite Eight. Right. And so your original question asked about what we look for. Yeah, we want shooters. We want guys who can score. We want tough dudes. But it's really the intangibles that make a difference for us.
0: Yeah. Well, let's go into the roster and talk about some of those guys. Uh, and we're going to start with the freshman class, some newcomers, some names that uh, most folks listening to this probably haven't heard before. And we'll get started with uh, Quinn VC. He is a freshman guard out of Indianola, Iowa. What can you tell us about Quinn?
1: Yeah, Quinn can really shoot the ball. Comes from a successful high school program. You're going to hear that a lot today. Um, both, both of those bullet points can shoot the ball and comes from a successful program. Uh, but, but Quinn's out of Indianola, they had a really good team his last couple years actually played for the same high school coach uh, that Jay Wolf did at different schools. But uh, Quinn's doing a good job. He can really shoot it. He, he gets hot. You better look out, and you better get
0: a hand up. Another guy, Siouxland guy, that a lot of people from this area probably have heard of, uh, kid out of Sergeant Bluff, Iowa, freshman guard, Connor Groves. And he had a, a, pretty, uh, a pretty good career down at Sergeant Bluff. Yeah, he did you know
1: you look at Connor's career at at SBL and they went to three straight tournaments in his time he was a starter on all three of those teams and he's another guy he's a high IQ kid he can shoot the rock but he has a knack for scoring it at all levels too and and Connor was fortunate that you know being a local kid he was able to be around this summer and probably got a jump start on most of the freshmen just being around and picking up some of the basics of what we do but he's
0: he's done a great job as well so then we'll go to uh, six foot five. You got him listed as a forward uh, freshman, Cody Hicks, out of Janesville, Iowa. What can you tell us about Cody? Cody's a guy, um, you know, playing at Janesville.
1: They had a good team. He was incredibly efficient. I think he ended up shooting eighty some percent from the field as a senior. Really talented around the basket and a, and a good athlete. And and he's learning and getting better every day. And and Jake's shaking his head as I'm saying some of these things. He's just a high motor player. He plays really hard. And again, that sounds funny, it sounds simple, but it's a skill, too. And, and so we're really excited about what, what Cody can be, you know, be it this year or in the future. I think he has a high ceiling.
0: And last but not least, out of this class, we've got uh, another guard, a freshman out of Harrisburg, South Dakota, Nick Hoyt.
1: Well, not to beat the dead horse, but Nick can shoot it and is a high IQ player. <laughs> um, you know, but he's we've had some success getting kids out of the Sioux Falls area here recently, you know, Nick obviously is a freshman. Will Johnson, one of our juniors, is, is from the same high school there at Harrisburg. Ethan Friedel's from just down the road in T. And, and so good basketball played up in the Sioux Falls area. And so getting good players from up there is, is a big thing for our program. But Nick's, you know, like the other guys, he's doing a great job. He can really shoot it. Um, he's a smart player. I think he's a tough kid. He's, some would say, a little undersized at 5'10, maybe 5'11, but I think he plays tougher and, and bigger than he is. And so. You know, I think that class, you look at four guys on the varsity and we're not even talking about our junior varsity where we have six other freshmen. I think it's talented. I think top to bottom, it, it, it's really good. And I think, yeah, you're going to see those four guys out on the floor or at least in uniform this year. But as a group, I think it's a group that's going to be really good, you know, for the, the next three or four years as well.
0: So let's move into sophomores and you've got a few guys who moved up to uh, the varsity squad from JV and we'll start with RJ Harris.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm going to I'm going to actually talk about all three of those guys together and I hope I don't screw you up here Matt, but RJ Harris, Thomas Hensley and Carson Kruger all returners that played on the junior varsity team a year ago and all did a really good job and and positioned themselves to make that jump. And I think the biggest thing with all of them is they, they put in a lot of time over the summer to improve their game and put themselves in a position to make the varsity team. And so, you know, as we talk about our roster in general, Matt, we're a little bit still putting the cart before the horse because as of right now on October 13th, I still don't know and we don't know who our rotation is going to be for our first game. And it, it, I think we're deep and I think we have a lot of guys in, in the mix to play. And so to say, hey, this guy's going to do this or this guy's going to do that, Mm -hmm. it's hard. Um, But I can tell you, RJ can really shoot the ball if he gets hot. You know, he had a day last week in practice. I think he hit like four in a row from three. Um, Carson Kruger, he's been a little beat up, uh, sprained his foot. So he's he's missed a little time here. but, But Carson's a really strong transition player. He gets a rebound. He's really good in the open floor, bringing it up the floor. And then Thomas Hensley is another guy. He's definitely, some would call him undersized, but he's pound for pound, maybe the strongest guy on the team. Jake might disagree with that, but um, he's a, he's just a tough player at 5'10", or whatever he is. He's a phenomenal offensive rebounder. He's just one of those guys that has a knack for the ball and, and makes our practices better because he plays so hard.
0: So then we move into a few guys who uh – had an opportunity to to make an impact and get some minutes as freshman and one of those is Jaden Klein hesling a sophomore out of Sheldon and he's a guy who uh, a lot of people myself included really enjoyed watching especially I think the second half of the season when he you know I, I think he's a confident player anyway but you could just tell he really stepped into a role where he wasn't afraid to take a big shot to drive to the lane uh, even though sometimes it, it might have been ill-advised based on a guy who's down there waiting for him who maybe had six or eight inches on him. But, you know, he's he's fearless. Uh, so talk about, you know, Jaden and what you have seen and what you expect to see out of him into his sophomore year.
1: Well, I mean, you said it. Jaden's a tough player. He's not afraid of the moment. He was, We really threw him in from the get-go last year, you know, started off the year playing 10, 12 minutes a game as a freshman, and that's not always easy. You know, but like we've talked before, he really picked things up quickly. And when you can pick things up, I think your confidence shoots up a little bit. And so he w- he was having a nice year already. And then when when Eric Erdman got hurt last year, he was really the one who was thrust into a much bigger role. I mean, his minutes doubled to tripled, depending on the game. He became our sixth man and and really played starter minutes. And Jaden, you know, had a really good summer. You know, he's a better player now than he was the last time. Everybody listening to this podcast saw him play. And, uh, you know, we're really excited about what he can do. And he's a guy that I've said this two other times about guys when they're freshmen. So we got to backtrack all over a year now. I said about Jaden when he was a freshman that he's going to be the G Pack Defensive Player of the Year at some point. And the last two guys I said that about were Brian Forbes. 2016 GPEC Player of the Year, and Jay Wolf 2018 GPEC Player of the Year. So I'm not trying to set the bar really high for Jaden, but I'm definitely trying to set the bar really high for Jaden.
0: Next we'll talk about Quentin Vasa.
1: Yeah, uh, we're just going to refer to him as Q because that's, okay. that's what we all call him. You know, Q has some, some really nice length to him at 6'8". He can shoot the ball. He's, a, he's an inside-out threat. He can score both inside and shoot the three. And I think the biggest thing Q did over the summer – was, was he put on some weight. He was pretty skinny last year. And he's, he's not the Incredible Hulk by any stretch now. But he put on a good 20 to 25 pounds, really got after it in the weight room. And, and we've talked about how good of a job Coach Herc does with our guys in the weight room. But that's that's been huge for Q. And I think it really helped his confidence. And he's playing a, at just a higher level than he was a year ago. And that's what you expect in that, in that freshman to sophomore jump. And so we're excited about what Q can bring us this year, too.
0: We are talking about Jaden Klein Hesslink and his ability to play confidently and, and without fear. Another guy who, when he steps on the court, uh, just seems like he's so cool, calm, and collected, especially last year coming in as a freshman. Again, a guy who, when Erdman went down, had to had to step up a little bit, and that is Sammy Green. What can you talk about Sammy coming into his sophomore year?
1: Yeah, he was a guy, you know, I think he played every game last year. And, and he was in a tough spot at times you know where he was he played in every game but sometimes it was two minutes sometimes it was 15 minutes and and he didn't necessarily always know when and that's that's a tough spot to be in but he did a really good job and I think he played his best basketball down the stretch he really shot it well at the national tournament and he's he has a he has a little flash to his game he's going to throw some crazy passes at times that you know, if it, if he ends up turning him over, I'm probably going to yell at him. If it goes through, I'm probably going to say, great pass, Sam. Right. But, uh, yeah, confidence, he, he doesn't lack there. And he just he's a guy that the freshman to sophomore jump will be huge for
0: him as well. And I, I think he's doing a great job, at
1: least to start the year in that regard.
0: And last but certainly not least, let's talk about Jake Carley, the guy who's sitting in the office here with us. Uh, Jake's a guy who, again, you know, last year um, had an opportunity to – you know, be part of the, the varsity squad. Uh, didn't see a ton of minutes, but, you know, he's a guy who made an impact, I know, in a lot of ways. So what do you expect out of Jake coming into this season? Then we'll we'll get to hear it from him well, directly.
1: Well, right before we started, you were getting everything set up, Matt, and Jake and I looked at his, his stats from a year ago, and he went 2 for 7 from the field, 2 for 6 from 3, and a whopping 0 for 4 from the free throw line. And if I'm not mistaken, one of those games we would have scored 100 if you made, like, one free throw. Ooh. That might have been the game the student section booed me when I held the ball. So they couldn't – is it free tacos we get or something? Or is it full, free, it's, free yeah, yeah. it's free wings. Yeah, it's free B-dubs if we score 100 points. And I got booed by our student okay. section. But I really blame Jake. He went 0 for 2 from the line. We had 99 points. Um, but, but, Jake, you know, I, I said a little bit about this from the recruiting process. Jake was a guy played on some really good teams at St. Albert. I think were you guys runners-up as sophomores? And so we knew who he was because they were playing at a, on a big stage at the state level. And Jake has a sister who's a senior on our women's basketball team. So he was at least around, came to some games, but came to a ton of open gyms as a, as a younger high school kid. And so we knew a lot about him. We knew a lot about his game. And, and knowing his high school coach, like I did, was kind of the icing on the cake because he just kept telling me, you know, yeah, he's, he's not the greatest three-point shooter, but he can make them. You know, but he just – he's tough, He's going to make your practices better. Whether he plays as a freshman or not, he's going to make your practice better. And I, I think that's what happened. You know, Jake played like 27 minutes, I think the stats say, last year. But he's a high-energy guy. He's a tough dude. And I think if there's ever any kind of something going on in practice, guys talking, guys getting after each other, you know, loose ball, Jake's going to be involved in that. And And Jake had a really good summer along with a lot of our other guys and put himself in a position to – you know, potentially help us this year. And that that's what you want in that freshman to sophomore jump I've mentioned a couple times now. But uh, so, yeah, let's let's talk to Jake here.
0: Well, the nice thing about going 0 for 4 from the free throw on your freshman year is that it's impossible to take a step backwards going into your sophomore year. So, Jake, it looks like, uh, you know, we can expect things to be on an upward trajectory from you, at least from the charity stripe. Is that fair to say?
2: Yeah, yeah. You can really only go up from 0 for 4.
0: So let's, uh, you know, Coach mentioned, uh, you know, that you have uh, an older sister who's played here for the women's basketball program. So let's just get this question out of the way. Uh, growing up, you know, I, I assume you guys would play some one-on-one in the driveway or, or whatever. So, you know, who's between you and her, who's the better player? If if you're just to match it up one-on-one in the driveway, who's going to win that?
2: Um, personally, I think – I would win, but growing up, uh, people might find this shocking. Uh, My sister actually taught me how to talk trash, so finally, up until junior high, when I actually got muscles, is when I finally started to beat her one on one.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, you know, thanks for being here, and you know, it's it's an it's a huge honor. You may know this. It's a huge honor, though, to be a guest on the BC buckets podcast and one thing you know we we like to ask a lot of like rapid fire questions about you know what some of your interests are and some of those things and we'll do that here in in just a minute one of the things i like to ask our guests uh, especially you know players who have been with the program with you as a sophomore you've now been through the program for one year you kind of have an idea of, of what's going on the culture you know the pace of the game you know the college game that sort of thing what i guess you think has changed in your game or at least how you look at the game of basketball coming from your first year of college basketball now coming into your second year?
2: Yeah, um, so the pace of the game has really slowed down from my freshman year to sophomore year. Freshman year you come from high school where an open shot would have to be like wide open compared to in college you have like a guy closing out to you and it's considered an open shot so just the pace of the game that it's played freshman year it felt like so fast and it didn't help having Jay and Eric last year in practice going against them some of the best players you could probably play against but this year just the pace of the game has slowed down so that you can make like better reads shots seem better and it just helps a lot more with confidence and everything.
0: Have you been one of the privileged few who have been able to get a nickname from the rest of your teammates? I know we talked to Fredell last year, who's Cheese. I know you've got uh, Vasa, who's Q. Do you have a nickname? Or is there anybody else on the squad that we don't know about yet?
2: Um, I don't really have a nickname. I guess some people might call me a freak sometimes with just <laughs> some of the stuff I do and kind of having,
1: I don't know, don't really
2: have that much, just kind of Carly.
1: So let's talk about that, Jake, because I say this as lovingly as I can. You're a little out there at times, and, you know, I know one of the things you like to do in your spare time is do push-ups and pull-ups and just random workouts on your own above and beyond. So you want, you want to talk about that, the, the rationale, you know, maybe some of your future plans that play into why you're a little out there.
2: Yeah. So uh, my future plan is to become a Navy SEAL, but um – the reason I'm really out there is because there's a guy named David Goggins out there. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Former Navy SEAL. Kind of crazy. And uh, so he preaches about like never getting like giving your body rest, just always like being the mentally toughest person. So like in my free time, just like kind of, I don't know, mentally breaking yourself so that nothing in life can ever break you. So I just kind of... Have always done push-ups and stuff just for fun. I don't know. People think it's weird here, but I don't know. We do sallies a lot now in practice, kind of not practice, but in the weight room, kind of push people to
0: mentally break themselves to be better. As you prepare for a career with the Navy SEALs, do you think uh, those butt chew-ins from coach, as you lose one of your defensive assignments or something like that, do you think that will prepare you for the rigor of having? A drill sergeant or whatever they call him, and the Navy SEALs help you. Do you think that's even maybe more intense? Do you think you'll be? It'll just be a cakewalk just because you've you've seen a red-faced Coach Figueroa.
2: I think um, if I ever get Jaden Klein Hesslinked by by Coach, I think there will no, nothing will ever be worse than that. But I think it will definitely help a
0: lot. What a uh, Jaden? What is Jaden Klein Hesslink? You
1: know, I, I was just gonna address that, Matt. That's something. I've, I've fed into that a little bit myself, but we were playing Jamestown a year ago, and they had a guy named Kevin Oberweiser who, who graduated, thankfully. He was a hard guard, yeah. but he was – take some of our guys out. Of, I thought he was the best shooter in the country. He could really light it up from three with a quick release. And they ran some wing ball screen stuff for him. And so as we were going through scouting report, I'd, I'd been watching film, and the guy's getting – more and one threes than anybody in the league since clay harold played for us Mm -hmm. and it was due to people trying to go under ball screens and then recover back to him and and he was kind of kicking his legs out a little bit but he was getting a lot of these calls and so we just harped on the day before you have to go over ball screens you have to go over ball screens you have to go over ball screens and right in front of our bench probably late first half i just saw it coming and, and I'm sitting there yelling, over Jaden, over Jaden, over Jaden, over Jaden. Well, Jaden goes under, <laughs> steps right back up into Kevin Oberweiser, fouls him, yeah. hits the three, and and I lost it. And and I he was already subbing out. It was not a knee-jerk sub. He was already coming out. But it was the worst time for him to come out because I walked with him not so patiently to the water jug and back, came and sat next to him, and and I just let him have it. Couldn't yeah. tell you exactly what I said. But I really let Jaden have it as a freshman. You know, it does go back to some of the toughness Jaden has. But I think the the unsung part of this story was the next morning, let's rewind a little bit more. We whooped Jamestown that night. It was it was one of our better games of the year. From start to finish, both sides of the ball, we really played well. We ended up winning pretty handily. Mm-hmm. And so the next morning, my wife and I were eating breakfast, and, and she just says, hey, that's a great win, you know, good job, whatever. She's like – absolutely ridiculous and over the top what you did to Jaden last night and, and i think i've talked about it before probably with jackson lamb my wife always has the guy's back and if she thinks i'm over the top she's going to let me hear about yeah. it
0: well i want to make sure the student managers get that that uh vocabulary word or that verb added to the the manual because i think that needs to be memorialized for the rest of eternity i think so so, Jake, we're going to go into uh, some of our rapid-fire questions. And, and, you know, you you can probably predict what some of these are going to be based on what we've asked some of the other people. So you've had a, a full year, I guess, to prepare for these. So hopefully they don't come as, as too much of a uh, – hopefully they don't catch you too much off-guard. But we're going to start with, I think, the most important question. Now, obviously, as people know, this is a food podcast where we talk about basketball. But where is your favorite place to eat in Sioux City?
2: Ooh, my favorite place to eat in Sioux City would have to be, well, as a, co- a poor college student, it would have to be McDonald's. But after that, would be IHOP. I'm just, I Ooh. just love breakfast. I could, I don't know, I could eat IHOP probably every single meal.
0: I don't know that we've had IHOP on the podcast before. No, we haven't. And, and Jake knows
1: this, kind of, I'm a little disappointed. You know, it goes with two chain restaurants in Sioux <laughs> City. There's some great local places. I get it as a college kid, but there's some cheap options out there too.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's ask you, uh, how about what, uh, you know, it sounds like you're spending most of your time working out, so maybe you don't watch TV, but what's the best TV show you've watched in the last five years?
2: Um, the best TV show I'd have to say would be New Girl. I think me and my roommates have watched it probably 13 times from this
0: start of the summer to right now. So here's a bonus question. Who's that girl? It's Jess. <laughs> All right, so you guys had the alumni game uh, a few weeks ago on homecoming. So my next question for you is: of all the alumni that played, um, you know who who do you think you know did the most damage to your squad during that game? Um, I
2: would definitely have to say Coach Leffler. His uh, one-on-one, he just hit tough shots that we like say we live with, but uh, he definitely torched quite a bit of our defenders on a lot of a lot of possessions
0: what surprised you most about the college game
2: um i'd have to say the speed at which it was played it's a, uh, it's kind of like a controlled aau game like aau it's like a lot of fast pace like a lot of people running around and the way that we play it's if you have a shot, you take it, which is how I, I love to play that way. And it's just a lot like fast like fast paced, but everyone knows like their job. But it, I'd have to say the speed of the game would be the one
0: that got me. And you're a Midwestern guy. So this is a question I've seen that's been asked quite a bit um, on social media and in other places. But do you call it a taco in a bag or a walking taco? A walking taco for sure. Explain that because I, I I'm a taco in a bag guy. So let me hear, you know, your rationale there.
1: I'm going to jump in real quick.
0: I don't get the appeal.
1: I don't care what you call it. I don't get the big deal about him.
0: Well,
2: <laughs> a walking taco is just I don't know. I've never heard a taco in a bag, but I guess that would make a lot more sense. But a walking taco is just you can walk with it while you eat it is what has been explained to me
1: but couldn't you just have a normal taco from taco john's and walk with that and eat it as well
2: um i mean technically yes but it 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 doesn't have as much like fanciness to it
0: fair enough all right Uh, while we're on that topic street taco that's another thing i don't understand just because you're eating three of them doesn't mean you need to give it a different name yeah, but I do love street tacos. But it's just a taco. Yeah, it is. It's a small
1: taco. Yeah, but they're good. I agree. I mean, I, I'm not going to go into the origins of how we name our tacos.
0: It's but just, I, it's marketing. Let's be sure. honest, it's marketing.
1: You know, there's some great places at Food Truck Friday in Sioux City where you can get some great tacos. Street taco, regular taco, you name it, you can get good tacos at Food Truck Friday. That's that's absolutely true. All right, last question, Jake. I'm going to put you on the spot. It's a tough one. Probably a little embarrassing for you to answer. Who bench presses more, me or you? Um
2: sadly I'd have to say you. But pound for pound, I technically would be lifting more.
1: Yeah, that that is true. But if you factor age in, that at least balances out the pound for pound argument in my opinion.
0: I've got like 15 years on you. Well Jake, we appreciate you joining us and it's hard to believe that in just a couple of weeks this season, you know, officially gets rolling with games and so, you know, best of luck to you. We look forward to watching you and the rest of the guys this season and and who knows maybe we'll have you back in at, at some point, but certainly good luck to you this season. Good luck with your seals training and and hopefully by the end of your career you'll be putting up more than Coach Figueroa on the bench.
2: Hopefully, hopefully. Thank you for having me. Thank you.
0: So now we're going to switch over to our new segment, Coach Figuera's life rules, so Coach Figuera can share with us some of the wisdom that he picked up throughout his his life so coach what do you have for us this week
1: you know some of these Matt I feel bad taking credit and putting my name on them some of them are just common sense mm. most life rules are and a lot of it it's what's happened recently to me mm-hmm. and I mentioned we gave the guys a couple of days off so my wife and I had a chance to go down on Omaha for a couple days here this weekend and drove back this morning and my life rule is don't go the speed limiter under in the left-hand lane on the interstate. Mm. You know, I'm a, I'm a pretty standard five to six over, set the cruise, maybe seven, just enough to not get pulled over, but enough to, to make good time. And there's nothing more infuriating than somebody in the, in the left-hand lane with their cruise set at 70, slowly just crawling by a semi, going 65 in the right lane and and worse are the people that stay there after they pass somebody completely oblivious that other people are on the road and four-lane highways and interstates are designed for the slow traffic on the right they're efficient when that happens
0: so if you're not going to be if you're not going to speed a little bit get out of the left lane that's my life rule today that is a great point i hope everyone listening to this takes note of that we went uh, we were in iowa city for the football game and it was a night game This weekend and so uh, heading out there and then coming back after the game on Interstate 80 is just it's a NASCAR race and uh, But you always have those people who stay in the left lane and back everybody up And of course there's 70,000 people trying to get home And so it it just turns into this huge traffic jam and it's not just annoying. It becomes a safety issue at that point
1: Correct and
0: and on I-80,
1: you know, I've made that drive many times you factor in there's so much semi traffic on top of football traffic Know what you're doing? That's all I'm saying.
0: So there you have it, uh, Coach Figueroa's life rule for this week. On that note, we're going to go into the next. Last week we called it yay or nay, but I think we've decided we're going to call this this next little segment uh, champ or chump. And I'll be honest it's with you. It's got me, a Coach. way better ring to it, Matt. I, I like champ or chump. So we're going we're gonna to continue on that note. And, and to be totally honest with you, the very first one I had was passing with cruise control set about one mile an hour more than the person next to you. So I think we know where you stand on that.
1: Yeah, that chump. You can step on the gas pedal. The cruise will go back to where you have it set when you press the gas pedal. So get past and get back over.
0: That's right. All right. So I've got a few of these, champs or chumps. You just told me where you stand on these. Taking an elevator to the second floor of a hotel.
1: Chump with a stipulation. Okay. There are some hotels where it's hard to find the stairs. They're not clearly marked. But if, you know, like most of the places we stay with our team, we're talking two, three-story hotels, Take the stairs, period. Mm -hmm. That's just, you know, in the Flanagan Center, for example, we don't even allow our guys to use the elevator unless it's game day or you have a lower body injury. Mm -hmm. So take the stairs. Get the extra steps in. It'll be good for you in the long run.
0: Okay. Uh, The next one. Hey, I'm
1: going to rewind a little bit, too. I suppose if you're traveling with, like, kids and you have 27 suitcases and bags, it makes sense to, to take the elevator on arrival and departure, but every other time you should be taking the steps. Okay.
0: All right. Uh, the next one is uh, football teams or programs or, or whatever where after every first down, the announcer says, that's another fill-in-the-blank mascot, and then the crowd all together yells, first down. Champs or chumps? Well, I'm going to say chump. I, I don't know that I've ever actually heard
1: that happen for the duration of a full game, but that's an overkill. Unless Unless your offense is so bad that you're only getting a handful of first downs in a game, which if that's the case you
0: have bigger issues. If that's the case though then it's okay, otherwise chump. And then the last one is somebody who prefers a hard shell taco as opposed to a soft shell taco. Neutral. Okay. I'm going to go neutral with a with a lean
1: to champ. You you know, people like what they like. I'm a soft shell guy myself if I had to choose,
0: but I'll eat both. So, I have no strong feeling one way or the other on this one. So there you have it this week's champs or chumps and before we re- Go ahead and wrap things up. We are going to start doing these podcasts on a weekly basis. So next week when we're back, you know, obviously we'll we'll probably start talking about upcoming games and those sorts of things. But we will also talk about the upperclassmen on the roster who we didn't get to today. So make sure that you have subscribed to the BC Buckets podcast on iTunes or however you get your podcasts. You can find us on SoundCloud as well, uh, and make sure you find us on Twitter. We're at BC Buckets Cast or shoot us an email at bcbucketspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we didn't have any listener questions again this week, Coach, so uh, our listeners really need to pick it up. Get the questions coming. Get them coming. we got to have them. So, uh, again, make sure you find us on Twitter at bcbucketscast or shoot us an email at bcbucketspodcast at gmail.com. Before we wrap things up, Coach, I think you have a shout-out. I do.
1: And last or last podcast we took a little time to talk about our coaching staff But real quick, as it pertains to the podcast, shout out to Coach Erdman and Coach Forbes. Those guys are actually doing a lot of the the behind-the-scenes editing work or production work, whatever you want to call it, to get these podcasts ready to go and, and put out every week. And Matt and I screw up a lot as we record, and so we have to edit it and make sure it sounds good. And those guys are doing that, so shout out to those two guys
0: absolutely and certainly a shout out to everybody who's listening to this thanks for all your support you know we're excited to do this for a second season I think it's been something really neat for the program I think it's something different for the program and obviously it's not something uh, we could do without having people out there who who enjoyed listening to us talk so you know thanks to everybody who's out there make sure you get the word out we'd love to have more people listening to us um, and again get those questions in because we because we love to get those listener questions. So with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. Make sure you tune in next week as we talk about upperclassmen and some other things. On behalf of Jake and Coach Figuera, I'm Matt. We'll talk to you later.